Welcome to the podcast, The Human Way, with me, Kelly O'Dell. In this episode of the podcast, I'll be discussing motivation. Some time ago, I had a speaking engagement for a kickoff for a very large company. I was asked to speak to a group of about 350 employees for about an hour on the subject of living with change. This company, like many companies, was driving several major change initiatives. Before I was to take the stage, there was another well-known speaker who was going to give a motivational speech. If you've ever been to what I call a hallelujah kickoff, then you would probably recognize this type of speaker. He ran back and forth across the stage and told the audience that everything is possible and that you can achieve 150%. He told them about his own very personal challenges in life and how he had succeeded in overcoming them. And he said that if he could succeed, then you could too. Now, despite the fact that this speech was entertaining, I couldn't help but think, that I could probably write a book about all the things that this speaker stated as truths that research has shown to be false. In fact, in my book, The Human Way, I've included a chapter on myths about organizations and the people in them in order to address some of the more common so-called truths that have turned, turned out to be not so true. I've often attended this kind of kickoff event sometimes as an employee in the audience and sometimes as the manager who initiated the event for my own subordinates. I've also frequently been that motivational speaker tasked with the job of motivating the audience. Now, if you've been to a kickoff like this, you may have had the same experience that I have had. You may have come home from the event feeling less motivated than you were when you went there. When I've organized similar events for my employees, I've sometimes had the feeling that my employees' motivation was at best unchanged by the event. But in the worst case, their motivation was even lower than it was before. But why was this happening? Well, one day about 15 years ago, I found a book that in some ways changed my life. At any rate, it changed the way I viewed my role as a manager and as an employee. The book was Why We Do What We Do, Understanding Self-Motivation by Edward Dietschy, a psychology professor, and Richard Flaster, a Pulitzer Prize winning science journalist. Dietschy and Flaster realized that despite the fact that researchers have learned much more about motivation. Very little of this knowledge has been put to practical use in our daily lives. Most managers I meet believe that motivating their employees is one of their most important tasks. In fact, most employees I meet also believe that their managers should motivate them. But Dietschy and Flaster tell us that the research on motivation indicates that it is extremely difficult and impractical to motivate other people. Their advice to those of us who find ourselves in leadership roles 
is instead of asking how we can motivate people, we should be asking how we can create the conditions within which people will motivate themselves. It's all about creating an environment where people can express their motivation. According to Dietschy and Vlaster, studies have identified two types of motivation, intrinsic and extrinsic, and each affects us differently. Intrinsic motivation is a drive to do something or to achieve something, and we all have that drive inside us. Intrinsic motivation entails doing something to satisfy that inner urge, to quote Dietschy and Flaster, smelling the roses, being enthralled by how the pieces of a puzzle fit together, seeing the sunlight as it dances in the clouds, feeling the thrill of reaching a mountain summit. These are experiences that need yield nothing more to be fully justified. Intrinsic motivation occurs whenever the activity or behavior is reward in itself. And although there may be other rewards involved, it is not these other rewards that generate the motivation. Now, extrinsic motivation, on the other hand, involves the drive to do something that offers some type of external reward, such as bonus, a commission, a kickoff, or a grading system. Intrinsic motivation is, at best, not influenced by external motivational factors, such as a new bonus, or a commission system, or a sales kickoff to entice everyone to work harder. And at worst, these external factors can be inhibiting for the intrinsic motivation. The secret lies in aligning the interests of the people with the interests of the organization. If these interests are not aligned, motivation will drop. In an ideal situation where all employees work with things they are genuinely interested in, and they work with other people who have similar interests and who share a common purpose and common goals, motivation will take care of itself. But reality isn't perfect. Far from all employees, or all managers for that matter, have chosen their profession and their place of work based on their passions and their interests. And even those who have initially chosen their professions based on their intrinsic motivation can find themselves in situations where managers or organizational cultures take the joy out of work. I usually tell managers to stop trying to motivate their employees and instead start inspiring them. If you can't motivate yourself, no one else can motivate you either. Let your employees take responsibility for their own motivation, just as you as a manager take responsibility for yours. The single most significant contribution you can make to your own motivation at work is to choose the right job. If you have chosen or fallen into a job that you don't enjoy, it won't matter how good your boss is at motivation. And if you have chosen a the right job, your boss will have to be pretty bad before you stop enjoying your work. Make sure you have chosen the right job at the right place so you can be intrinsically motivated, or at least that you're taking the necessary steps to get that job. 
Then you can start helping other people to find their motivation. As a leader, you can create opportunities for people to satisfy their intrinsic motivations by inspiring them. You can plant seeds, awaken ideas, thoughts, and questions. But it is the individual themselves who must decide what to do with these inspirations. Now, it may seem to be a marginal difference between motivation and inspiration, but the difference is significant. The individual is responsible for their own motivation, while inspiration can come from many sources. And we can all be inspired by things that we aren't motivated to do anything about. I often ask my audiences to try and imagine a man in his 50s who hates his job. The fact is that he has hated his job for 25 years. But he gets up every morning, he clenches his fist and locks his jaw, and he goes to that damn job. And when the day is over, he comes home from that damn job. He's been doing this for 25 years. Now I hope there aren't any people like my made-up person in real life. But if there are, they have no lack of motivation. It would require an enormous amount of motivation to drag yourself back and forth to a job you hate for 25 years. The problem here is not a lack of motivation. The problem is that my fictional character is not motivated for his work. Edward Dietschy and his colleague R.M. Ryan identified three key elements of intrinsic motivation. Competence, autonomy or self-determination, and relatedness or a sense of belonging. These are the cornerstones of motivation, or at least the intrinsic part of motivation. If I as a manager wanted to help a colleague find an outlet for his or her motivation at work, I would consider how I could help them to improve their skills or competence. Employees who feel that they're not very good at their jobs don't feel any strong motivation, while those who have mastered their jobs find it satisfying and are motivated to do more. A manager can boost an employee's competence in various ways, including introducing education on on the job training and other opportunities for development. As the skills of, of an employee increase in relationship to their work duties, so will their motivation. Bear in mind that the manager in this instant, instance does not create motivation in his or her employees. The manager simply ensures that the staff have the right conditions under which to find an outlet for motivation. The other two elements of intrinsic motivation are more convoluted, which is the result of our own complexity. On the one hand, we all want a high degree of self-determination or autonomy. None of us think it's particularly inspiring to be controlled or to have others interfering in how we perform our roles. But on the other hand, we want to feel a part of the group. I've met many managers who've expressed their frustration at not knowing how much freedom they should give their staff to increase their level of self-determination and to what extent they should monitor people to ensure they comply with company work methods and rules. 
In today's companies, we invest a great deal of energy in charting, developing, and implementing standardized processes and work procedures. The question is, can you create a high degree of autonomy without crippling the company's standardized work procedures? I would argue that you definitely can. When I was a when I was in charge of sales for Volvo cars, I was given a budget which said how many cars we had to sell and how much money we should make. But instead of dividing the budget up among my subordinate regional managers and giving them a directive regarding set targets, I told them about the goals of the budget that I had received, and I asked them, can you divide up the budget between yourselves and come up with a plan on how we can deliver it? I left them to work on it. And the regional managers later presented their joint proposal, which was not far off from the one I would have drawn up if I had done it. The difference was that I didn't do it. They did. Naturally, their motivation to achieve the goals was much greater because they had been involved in setting them. And even though my superiors had acted in a way that might diminish my sense of autonomy, this did not mean that I had to act in a similar way towards the people I managed. When employees have greater autonomy, with the freedom to set their own goals and develop their own plans for achieving these goals, they feel a greater sense of belonging and feel that they are an important part of the organization. Nothing creates a greater sense of alienation from the group than knowing that your ideas and points of view don't really matter. This is typical in top-down organizations where employees are simply expected to execute the tasks they've been assigned and achieve the goals they've been given. In these organizations, there's often no room for comments, adjustments, or alternative goals or solutions. This results in employees who feel unappreciated and lack loyalty to their employers. In the case I described with Volvo, where the, where the regional managers had greater influence over their goals and tasks, they felt greater intrinsic motivation, and that was actually reflected in the results. So here are a few tips that you can use to motivate yourself and inspire others. The first tip is be honest with yourself about what you really want and why you've chosen the work you do. The second tip is encourage others to either create the job they want to have or change to that job. The third tip is stop trying to motivate other people. Inspire them and help them to be driven by their own intrinsic motivation. The fourth tip is invest time and money in your employees' competence. Increase their autonomy and get them more deeply involved in the life of the organization. And the fifth tip is, if you are not passionate about what you're doing, go do something that you are passionate about. I'd like to take a moment just to let you in on uh, a little secret. Uh, my company, Astrakhan, uh, is going to be bringing Ed Radici to Stockholm. And for any of you that may be based in or around Stockholm, uh, the date is the 27th of uh, October this fall. 
we will be going out with more information about the, the venue but if you're interested make sure that you book this date in your calendar and don't book anything else this will really be the event of the year when it comes to motivation now the book of the month this month i'd like to have two books these two books i think complement each other very well now the first book is a book called self-determination theory of richard m ryan and edward l dici in a previous newsletter i recommended the book Why We Do What We Do by Edward Dietschy and Richard Fluster, which is a popular description of the science behind motivation. And if you haven't read it yet, I strongly recommend it. For those of you who, who have already read it and who want to take the next step, I'd, I'd recommend Self-Determination Theory, which is an exceptional description of the theory behind intrinsic motivation. Professor Dietschy and his research colleague, uh, Professor Ryan, have developed what they call self-determination theory, or SDT. And SDT gives a framework for understanding the elements that contribute to motivation and psychological and emotional well-being. In the book, the authors provide a foundational description of SDT, including six mini-theories, including empirical evidence and practical examples that can be applied throughout our lives. The book provides a synopsis of the research showing how we can help or hinder individuals' needs to be competent, feel a sense of belonging, and to have autonomy. And this applies to education, healthcare, sports, the workplace, just about any facet of life. The second book I'd like to recommend is called Originals, How Nonconformists Move the World by Adam Grant. For years I've been telling my employees and my clients to cultivate their eccentricity. Now in Adam Grant's book he puts his finger firmly on top of the science behind originality. Grant is a professor at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business and he argues that success is not always the result of high-profile risk-takers or charismatic leadership but more often the result of individuals working behind the scenes with quiet reflection and long periods of trial and error, who are often not noticed or recognized in the organization, at least not in the beginning. Grant's book is entertaining, informative, thought-provoking. Grant describes how successful organizations are not the result of groupthink, and success in a career or as an entrepreneur is not the result of conforming to predefined norms. In Originals, Grant gives us 30 actions for impact that help us improve as individuals and as organizations. This month's article is called Self-Determination Theory and Work Motivation by Marlene Gagne and Edward Aldici. This article describes how Intrinsic and extrinsic motivation affect the workplace. What I found most interesting was that the article breaks down extrinsic motivation into various categories, ranging from those with the least amount of autonomy to those with the most amount of autonomy. 
This makes it easier to understand the relationship between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation and how we can apply self-determination theory at work. Thank you for listening to the podcast, The Human Way, with me, Kelly O'Dell. I look forward to talking with you in the future. 